0: at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword PARTNER. Get
1: in the know, nonstop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on ScoreNorth and scorenorth.com.
2: All right, Purple Daily on draft coming at you on a Monday here on the Purple Lily YouTube channel and podcast feed. Tyler Fornes, Miles Gorham, Declan Goff here. Uh, We're going to talk winners from Quacey's draft class for the Kevin O'Connell combined era. We're going to talk the big winners that have happened, some positives that have happened on the Vikings uh, here on this episode, but we're also going to talk a little bit about, obviously, the state of the Vikings. We were also all watching Super Wild Card Weekend over the weekend. We still have two more games, obviously, to play out, but obviously the soup du jour or the topic that's gotten a lot of Vikings fans, obviously, Fired Up Boys is uh, both the Lions, and probably even more the Packers having big wins on Super Wild Card Weekend. And you look at the state of the NFC North, and it's all doom and gloom. Forno said, I'm going to go full Jon Snow. I'm going to take the sword out, bring on anyone else who wants to try to fight me. That's a Game of Thrones reference if you guys watched Game of Thrones. Um, And said, you know what? Let's relax here. They're not that far away from competing. There's a lot of good building blocks, so... Why don't you want to expand on that here? Because I know a lot of fans, uh, a lot of Vikings fans are probably looking around saying, "Man, the Vikings are really far off, and you have some pushback on that. You think they, they can still compete. So why don't you expand on that a little bit more for our audience?
1: Look, uh, let's, let's just not look at this as doom and gloom. And there's a lot of doom posting over the course of the weekend watching these games. And it's fair to be frustrated that the Vikings aren't in this position, and seeing two division rivals get there, like let's just be honest, if the Packers lost 41 to nothing, Next week, I don't think anybody would be too surprised. They're a very young football team. They're, they've had ups and downs all season. So uh, no result with the Green Bay Packers should be surprising. The Lions, good on them, man. Uh, they were able to capitalize on Sean McVay being a coward in the red zone when they were down four, and they kicked a field goal in the fourth quarter. You, you just don't do that. But it, with, just looking at the Vikings, yes, they have to figure out quarterback, but if they bring back Kirk Cousins, you have a massive baseline for success. Yes, they still have holes on defense. There's going to be around fifty some million in cap space once they're done making moves. Let's be honest. Harrison Smith is probably gone. That's almost twelve million dollars. You can earmark that right away for a good defensive lineman. Like there's moves that they can make and they can continue to bolster this roster through the NFL draft. They have a first round pick that's very high, a high second round pick, multiple fourths, fifths, and sixths. And that's how you build the back end of your roster. Now they still need some help up front. They but they have their two tackles already in place, their top two wide receivers already in place. If they bring back Hunter, which let's be honest, I'm pretty sure they're going to, you have your star edge rusher. Now you need to fill in pieces around them. And there's still good players. The secondary is relatively young, but they show promise. Byron Murphy Jr. When he was in there, good football player, safeties, good football players. We're not talking the elite of the elite, but when you have great schemers on both sides of the ball, if you continue to bring in good talent, you can see results. The Vikings, outside of the last two games when they were absolutely decimated with injuries, you no know, Hawkinson, uh, obviously no Kirk Cousins, no Byron Murphy Jr., you're missing that many good players, and you lose those games against playoff teams, you, you, you can understand, and you can be like, okay, stuff happens. Now, from what I'm saying versus like what the, a lot of the doom posting was, it's probably somewhere in the middle, but we're not talking about a team that's destitute. They were in every single game, except that Packers game on New Year's Eve. They were in all of them with backup quarterbacks that having Johnny Munt as your number one tight end. Like, and there's hope for this team. Let's, let's not like lose the forest for the trees here. This team isn't destitute. And there are a lot of questions that need answers. And I believe that this coaching staff in front office is going to find a way to answer those questions. It starts at quarterback. But even with backup quarterbacks, this team was competitive week in and week out and still finding ways to win football games. So it's not like this team is just on this downward trajectory that they're going to be
2: fine. What do you think, Miles? Are you as doom and gloom? or are you on Forno's side here that hey, things are, can pop up randomly from year to year and the building blocks the Vikings have here, obviously with, with their current players. Is this uh is this a, is this a full on, like they got to absolutely hit on every draft pick here to get back on top or are they actually a lot closer than it, than it seems?
0: I always think that's like too reactionary of a case in general. And I think Rick Spielman did that too often where it was like, we have to hit on these guys specifically in the draft because we don't have any cap flexibility. And if these guys hit, like, we'll be okay. But if they don't, then we don't have anyone behind them to to like figure it out and i think the hard part that the i'm not doom and gloom so I'm, let me start by answering that first question i'm not doom and gloom but i i understand the like reservations and the and i don't like calling it negativity but i think people are trying to be as realistic about it as they can when they see two teams in your division who we all thought going in ah oh, do we believe the lions could actually do it um we got to see it first and then they actually did it and then the packers were well, is Jordan Love even ready to be be the start uh, starting quarterback in the NFL? Is he willing to like how's he going to do taking over the mantle for Rodgers and Favre? Um can they have a, th- a third quarterback be great in a row? Like it's unprecedented, but he I'm not saying he's there yet, but like he's obviously showing that he's in a he's in that upward trajectory and I think that in itself where both those teams have a lot of a lot of scenarios where that future is really bright for them. The current and the future for them, whether it's cap space, young achieving of uh, young rising players. Their quarterback positions are solidified and under contract for next year, whereas the Vikings don't have those things. And then well, Goss don't have get...
1: contract next year.
0: Yes, he is. He's got – it's it's uh, through 2024. Um, he's I got thought one he more was year. a free agent. No, I was actually just looked it up right before this. He's got one more year um, uh, through 2024. So um, so I'm sure he'll get an extension. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but he's he is uh, under contract for one more year. Um, and then the Bears obviously have two top ten picks, the first overall pick and the ninth. So they, they and they've built up a little bit more over the last last handful of games where their defense looked better. You think their offense is getting a little bit better and obviously maybe they they add a weapon and Caleb Williams or Drake May. A lot of things like where mm-hmm. there's a lot of like things to look forward to for these teams. Whereas the Vikings it's kind of like right now it's hard to say what is there to look forward to that isn't the same thing that we've been seeing. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that they won't do things to change that, but that's the perception right now because we don't know what they're going to do. We don't know if Kirk Cousins is going to be back. We also don't know if he's going to be healthy. Like that what like by March, he's only going to be a few months removed for what four or five months removed from an Achilles. Like it's easy to say that we expect him to be back and be Kirk Cousins again. Well, he's 36, he'll be 36. I hate using that as like a certainty of a baseline of something cuz we just don't know. And it doesn't mean he can't or he won't. It's just it's an uncertainty. And to then use up a lot of your cap space, available cap space that you do have it's going to be on, it'd be on Kirk, Hunter, and Justin Jefferson. Now, yes, you can push some of those guys' money out in the future, but that just gives you less flexibility. And you're kind of repatching the – you'd be, again, doing patchwork on the on the roster this year to kind of make yourselves uh, viably competitive. Kirk helps keep you a baseline of competitiveness. I'm not denying that. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the roster still needs a lot of work. And then and then the, the frame that in the second point I wanted to make is the young players aren't stepping up the way you'd like them to. Not all of them. We obviously have a lot of really good young players, but you have some guys though, over the last couple um, draft classes that just haven't contributed the way you'd like them to. Whereas they'd be succession plans to guys leaving and walking out the door. We just don't have that for some of these positions. Like you're, we're fortunate that Lewisine not being what you would hoped he would be, it do- isn't really going to have a negative impact on this roster because Cam Bynum, Josh Metellus, I think even Theo Jackson have stepped in and done really good things. So like that helps. But like Andrew Booth Jr. is obviously not in a good place with the with the the coaching staff it seems like. Mm-hmm. Um and then you have Brian Osimoa, same thing. Um, you know, then you have edge rushers like Patrick Jones hasn't really he's been a okay rotational player at best. But him and uh Andre Carter are the only current edge rushers on under under um uh on uh under the book on the books for twenty twenty four. And so like you're kind of in a situation where like we have to refill these positions that we had thought we had filled in 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 a draft, but we didn't. And we're at least not not confident enough in those guys to say, "Hey, you're going to be our day one starters going into training camp next year." Like you can't do that at cornerback on the outsides like with the Caleb Evans and Andrew Booth, Makai Blackman and Byron Murphy are really good. I think they're guys that you can build around, but you have other holes in those situations that you still have to fill: edge rusher, interior defensive line that you just don't have any like success, succession plans for, and you either need to use that in the draft or you have to use it in in free agency. You kind of or mix and match, but. You're, and then that still leaves you with question marks. That future quarterback, like all these future questions, add up, and you can't all fill them in one off season. I'm not saying that they need to, but the most important ones, it's really hard to see them. Uh, the force through the trees and, and the, and the positivity—it's hard to see it if you don't know where they're going with it, or if they decide to just rerun things back. And we've seen what what happens when they run that, when they run things back. It still stays pretty mediocre. They can be good, but they're not Super Bowl contenders. I'm not saying they have to win the Super Bowl for it to be a success, but they've never come close to sniffing a Super Bowl in seven years, and mm-hmm. so it's like, at what point does that same logic keep playing and playing and playing? At, what, at some point, you got to change change up a little bit of what you're doing um, at some of those key positions to kind of hopefully see yourself over that hump and create a, a sustainable, winnable um, product rather than just like a year-over-year um, plan.
2: So let, let's take a look too at what building blocks Quacey has made here so let's talk about the positives so obviously Jordan Addison last year has been a huge positive to the Vikings right he's been an extra layer to this offense and whether it's Kirk Cousins throwing the ball or if it's a new quarterback you know you have a pretty dynamic wide receiver that's a complimentary piece uh, to Justin Jefferson and and obviously Ivan Pace as a UDFA last year I mean every rookie measurement and even hell a lot of uh, just linebacker measurements last year he was he was legitimately one of the better linebackers in football I know he's a UDFA but still got to give credit where credit's due and then I feel like the other two players at least come to mind to me guys are probably Ty Chandler and Ed Ingram as maybe there's a bigger ceiling on Ty Chandler because he actually might get a little bit more run and Ed Ingram wasn't as bad as his rookie year but maybe you could still make a case he took a half step forward are those building blocks though are those are those three four guys is that enough for no to at least have even more optimism going forward into 2024 that hey these guys can even take a bigger step And they are part of the future plans of the Vikings being successful in uh, 2024 and beyond.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I I also think, you know, even though he had a rough last few games, I think you could throw a Caleb Evans into that bunch because like the first 11 or 12 games, he was excellent. We were talking about him as like a long term starter at the cornerback position. Yeah. The weird thing about cornerback is it's a confidence position. And you have guys who are in their like mid to late 20s who just lose confidence and then it just starts to stink. Like, you could kind of put Xavier Rhodes in that bucket. He started to wane off some of that athleticism, but it's not like 2019, he was this unathletic cornerback. He just kind of lost it. And I, I think because it happened towards the end of the season, now you can kind of build him back up and get him to a better, like, headspace, and he can be a lot better for you moving forward. So, like, that 2022 draft class, it really hurts that you're not getting much from Andrew Booth. Louis seen Brian Osmo, three of your top four picks. Ed Ingram has been a starter for two years. He cut his pressures by 33% year over year from his rookie year Had 63 and 20, uh, 22, only 42 last year. Uh, guard is not necessarily the easiest position to uh, translate to in the NFL because you have to worry about guys on either side. Whereas like, if you think about tackle, you only have to worry about one guy next to you. So it's just, there are more variables the farther you move inside. And, I like where Ed Ingram's trajectory is going. I think Ty Chandler does have something. You have Mikai Blackman, who played way better than anybody expected as that third-round pick, and you could hopefully move that forward and with, another off, with a full offseason of NFL coaching, then you'll be able to perhaps extract more from him. And it's, you have some good pieces, and it really stinks that you have seen in Booth still as, like, I think the best-case scenario is they're a wild card you may be able to get something out of him. You may not. I thought Booth played relatively well in the final game against the Lions, but are you going to be able to see that with any form of consistency moving forward? Lewis Seen had eight good snaps in garbage time against the Green Bay Packers. Can you get more from him? Like there are just massive questions surrounding those positions, but the Vikings have the ability to fortify with the draft and also with free agency. So I'm I'm a little bit more bullish because I believe when you get good football players with great schemers, like we have in Kevin O'Connell and Brian Flores, you'll be able to get more out of those guys. But it's, I can understand why there's some doom because it's, it's not like you have this star edge rusher ready to just thrive in year three. You you don't have that guy, Mm -hmm. but I think you can be able to find players in free agency to be able to fortify. Like we talk about Brian Flores is like history. Like look at how the new England Patriots have kind of built their rosters, like get good, solid football players. And you have a couple stars and you can make it work. It's about having pieces rather than the piece. And I think if you can find pieces to fill holes, I think that's how they're going to try and uh, reshape this roster while getting a couple of young guys to become those next budgeting stars.
2: Miles on the cornerback front, Makai Blackman, Caleb Evans, Byron Murphy Jr. I mean, I think Makai even made pro football focuses all rookie team. There were some highs and also some little bit of lows last in, in his rookie se- or in, in in his second season now, I believe. Uh, Makai Blackman was this his? Rookie It'll season? be his second season. It'll this year. be his second. Season. So yeah. he was a rookie. Yeah. Yep. So I mean, do you feel like that cornerback room though is at least on solid ground? Like, do you, I know there's still some raw inexperience and experience between Caleb and Makai Blackman, but? Do you think that at room is at least trending in the right direction, especially if Makai and Caleb Evans, you know, kind of do take a significant step forward in 2024? I So I,
0: I wouldn't say it's trending in the negative. It's not trending down. I bet not much yeah. I want to say, but I don't know if it's like trending completely upward either. I think there's kind of like this steady, like, there's a lot of what ifs and there's a lot mm-hmm. of unknowns. And I think that's okay. Not everybody's going to answer every question in the first couple years of their career. I think there's enough on tape for both guys to say they're viable NFL players. I think Makai Blackman, maybe there's a chance to be like a viable starter. Uh, Evans, I'm not sure of. Not, not because I don't think he can be. I, it's just like hit like the, maybe the injuries were the the biggest factor for him, um, that we just don't know of, but like he took, he, he plummeted this, like the last handful of couple, like month and a half, uh, whatever it was, the last, you know, back part of the season. Um, I just want to make sure, like to, to Forno's point, that, that, um, that confidence is there because he has the height, weight, speed, like that you want on an outside physical corner. Um, now you just want to see if he can kind of put it together for a full season. Um, so I would say like, they're, they're probably still missing like a bona fide number one. And I think that's really difficult Mm -hmm. to do. Um, having to play three safeties all the time. Um, sometimes that makes it difficult to always like always having to play in, um, in nickel and dime because you're a little bit more worried about your, your cornerbacks, which I think that's part of what we didn't see any splash plays from Harrison Smith as much because I think he just had to. They had to cover the cornerbacks a little bit more, I think, at least from what I was able to see. I could be wrong, but that's just what it looked like. And I think if they can – I think Flores would love to be even more aggressive, but you can't always trust your cornerbacks. And if you can't always trust your cornerbacks and you don't have somebody that can, can take away a guy or shut off half the field, then I think it can be – it obviously makes it more difficult. So I think there's – it's not that those guys can't be viable players in the NFL, but I do think they're still missing that, like, bona fide number one. And I'm a huge Brian Murphy fan. But I I think he's more of your true nickel, true like inside guy that can play inside out. But I don't see him as like a true lockdown number one, like he's shutting down any corner, any wide receiver you put in front of him, um, matchup type type player. And that's okay. He doesn't have to be that. I think he's a good above average player. Um, But I think they really could use that like shutdown, lockdown type of player to go with the young guys that they currently have.
2: And, you know, I I look at the Lions draft class from last year and, you know, I think we all kind of like Jameer Gibbs with your first pick that that's kind of interesting. But obviously he's been a big contributor for them. Jack Campbell's been awesome. Sam Laporta prior to the injury was great. Brian Branch was a player for them. Like you look at what they did with that 2023 draft class and it was a big reason, right, why they actually made a huge leap, not just from, hey, they're favored to win the NFC North, but it's at nine and a half wins. And here they are with 12 wins and could be just cakewalking their way into the NFC title game. So, I mean, how much, too, is it just kind of random sometimes when you have a good draft class where your first four picks like the Lions have, you know, contribute right away to success? And that's why I kind of think if this draft class really, you know, is the best one that they've had so far, that's upcoming, because obviously the first one looks more like a dud. Second one, there's some positives. But if you hit, right, like on a a draft class right away with contributors like the Lions did, I mean, you can pop up from being, hey, a fringe nice team to being a team that obviously could be in the NFC title game in one year. Yeah, nailing
1: a draft class means a lot, especially when you nail them early. I mean, just look at the 2017 Saints. They were eight and eight the year before, yeah. and then they drafted two all rookie all pros. Like that draft class had Trey Hendrickson in around seven. Like they nailed that draft class so, so majorly that they were a, a miracle away uh, from being able to make the NFC Championship game, and they probably give the Eagles a better run than we did. Like you nail a draft class, it changes things. And people were getting on the lines because, and I got on them a little bit too, but I also understood it that they drafted a running back at 12 after they traded down that trade down, landed them Sam Laporta mm-hmm. and Jack Campbell, the Jack Campbell pick. I, I, I had more issues with that than Gibbs because sometimes you just need to draft really, really good football players. And to a point, the, the perceived analytical value doesn't matter so much when you get really, really good football players. And, and, they got four really good football players to start off that draft and they're making big time contributions. Like I was begging for Brian branch last year. I loved, absolutely loved his tape and and the versatility that he brought, being able to play the star, being able to play on the back end in the box. He'd be phenomenal in this defense. But if you get really good football players, the rest just kind of settles it out. So if the Vikings end up, let's say they don't take a quarterback and you go, D line and edge with your first two picks and they both hit that can completely change how the Vikings defense trajectory looks because they were the 13th ranked defense with all those holes with massive injuries on the defensive line. That wasn't very deep or talented to begin with. And then you had Davenport who barely played DJ Wadham gets hurt. They were still a good defense. The last four games they kind of got figured out, and injuries really cratered them. But it's it's not like that they weren't competitive. They're going to be able to figure this out. And if you land a couple of really, really nice pieces, that can just be a massive game changer for you. It all depends on if they're going to fortify that defensive line or if they're going to be able to take that quarterback. And I think we're going to find out when we get an answer with Kirk Cousins.
2: Yeah. I think when you look at the playoff teams and as they advance and, you you know, you kind of look at what can your team, in this case, the Vikings kind of learn from, you know, the current top four in each, each conference right now. And, you know, the Lions had a great draft class and they've been able to hit and, you know, the Packers succession plan might be in place. Once again, they might have a franchise quarterback for 20 years. I mean, Miles, I know you were, I saw you tweet on Monday morning about, you know, the whole kicking the can down the road and yeah, they could obviously absorb some of that void hit this year, but if, Eventually, you still have to pay the Piper. But is the succession plan the right plan to make if you bring back Kirk and you still draft the replacement quarterback early? Like, regardless of who they draft, like, it does feel like, at least as of right now, regardless if Kirk is back or not back, that a quarterback in rounds one or two is probably pretty likely for the Vikings to at least start some type of succession plan.
0: Yeah, no, it's important to have that succession plan. And I think that's been their ideal scenarios. They want Kirk under contract. While they draft a quarterback high, I think that's been their plan, or at least perceived plan, for the first two years of this regime's, uh, the, this regime, the new regime. And I think, but I think the issue is that they haven't found anybody that they've truly liked enough to take at the current piss that they had, and they also didn't. They were too far back to move up high enough to get any of the guys that they wanted. So I think they've kind of been this in this difficult position. But I think the hard part there is because of some of those scenarios, you, you might have lost out on your opportunity to kind of do both. Like, not that you can't, I'm not, I'm not saying that they can't bring Kirk back and can't draft somebody, but if you bring Kirk back, it's probably going to be at least for two years, fully guaranteed or at least strong guarantees. And for two years and maybe some into a third, depending on like what they're willing to give and take, because we know last year that they weren't willing to do it. They weren't willing to go beyond 2024 for money for Kirk, but they might feel like they have to now because they don't really have a succession plan in place. But if you do that, then you're hurting the rest of the roster by not putting more investment into that, because you're using your cap space on the quarterback, and then you use your early round picks on the quarterback too. Like, like you, that's where I'm I'm talking about like playing the middle ground is like you either got to commit. Like, if you're going to commit to Kirk Cousins and go all in again, which I don't believe is the right approach, but I've seen crazier things from this from this franchise. Like, if that's your commitment, then make that your commitment because then you're going to force a rookie to sit for at least two years. And then you're kind of losing that leverage of a, a quarterback and a rookie contract, especially if you have to push Kirk's money out into the future. That's just, again, we hit where we're probably going to see another 25, $30 million dead cap by the time he's off the roster after his contract's done. And then you're sitting there like, Hey, rookie or a uh, young quarterback, jump in. We don't have as much cap space as we'd like for you, but like, good luck. <laughs> and we, we hope everybody else that we've drafted or, or brought in can continue to hit. Now, you still have Justin Jefferson. You'll still have some, like, really high-end players. But I just think it puts you in this, like, weird position if you want to bring Kirk back on a a strong guaranteed contract because I don't believe he's – he's not coming back on a one-year deal. He's probably not coming back on a two-year deal without a no-trade clause. So, like, there's a lot of those things that come into factor that, like, make it really difficult to want to truly stay, like, highly competitive, not just like a, hey, maybe we'll make the playoffs. But no, no, no. If you want to bring Kirk back, the expectation should be, we want to be a strong contender in the NFC, not just a hopefully we make the playoffs. Oh, shut guys like nah, I'm sick of that. Or you got to commit to that rookie quarterback and say and bring in a bridge guy and say, hey, we're kind of we're willing to take a potential step back and rebuild the the huge parts of this roster that really need it around this rookie quarterback and that bridge player. And I think those are the things that they have to weigh. But it's really difficult for me to see them doing Kirk and quarterback unless it's like a second round pick. Maybe like that, like the, the Eagles did with Jalen Hurts and whatnot, like that's possible. It just changes like your expectations and your you lose that like extra year of flexibility with that rookie contract. So there's a lot of those things that like I know they're weighing. I'm just sick of that, like middle ground of like half in, half out. Yeah, Like that's not truly competitive rebuild if you're not hitting on the, the guys that you need to to make that
1: transition an easier one. So it's it's a tough spot to be in. Let's not forget what Kirk Cousins said uh, at his end of the year presser. It's not about the dollars. It's what it's about what the dollars mean. And what does he mean by that? I took it as the dollars mean I am the starting quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. And it's like, I I think he'd be willing to take 30 million instead of 40 or 45. If it means I am, you are committing to me that I am the starter of this football team for two plus years. That Mm -hmm. that's how I interpreted it. And I, I just don't think the Vikings are going to be willing to do that, and we're going to keep having this conversation until we get an actual resolution. I don't know if I, I believe
0: he'll he'll take that less of money. I don't. Uh, not not that I don't think he wouldn't take a, a haircut uh, compared to like the the league, but like he also said it represents something, and he was the first guy to come out and get a full first fully guaranteed multi year deal, and he's done a good like if I like but like your point, he wants that like commitment. He wants a commitment from the team, but I think the issue there is like his commitment from the team means I'm locked in hundred percent. There's no way of getting out from me scenario Mm -hmm. locked in. And I think the team's always like, well, like, yeah, we did that when you first came in, but that's really hard to do when you come in and you're 36, come off an Achilles and all these factors like that play in. It's really hard to like make that true commitment to somebody. So, but I agree with you. Like, that's what I heard too. I heard a make me the starter and commit to me as a starter for multiple years. And then I don't have to think about it for two more years or whatever it is. From his perspective, absolutely.
1: From a football perspective, you just can't do that. Yeah, right.
2: For now, I saw you read about J.J. McCarthy on Vikings Wire over the weekend, too, about, you know, obviously J.J. officially declared for the draft uh, over the weekend. McCarthy, that is. Um, And you kind of view him as maybe the Will Levis of this year's class, where a guy you might see him in mocks go as high as, like, top half of the first round. Or he could slide into round two. I feel like, and we've touched on this before, we did a deep dive on McCarthy and Michael Penix uh, obviously last week on Purple Daily on draft, but it does feel like if they bring Kirk back, that succession plan of McCarthy would be w- would make a lot of sense. Like I could see them, because they've identified him, they've scouted him a ton, Doogie's had a bunch of information on that too. If it's Kirk Cousins being re-signed, I feel like the J.J. McCarthy plan may be in round 2 or maybe a trade back up to year at uh, the end of the first round cuz you get the fifth year option to that six that succession plan which is clearly is our buzzword here on this episode could also make a lot of sense for the Vikings. Absolutely and you really laid it out perfectly Declan. McCarthy is
1: not Will Levis as far as the football player, but how they're going to be perceived by a lot of draft media I think is going to be very similar. You're going to have some people who are very high on him, some people who think he's not worth a high pick at all. And that conversation is going to be really interesting. I actually grade out McCarthy slightly higher than Levis. Uh, Levis has better tools. Obviously, Levin has a comparable arm to Josh Allen. He he just doesn't know how to use it nor navigate the pocket well, which really translated because in college he had a 20% pressure to sack conversion rate, which is atrocious. And with McCarthy the questions are different. It's not necessarily about arm talent. It's not necessarily about the ability to be a dual threat. It's why didn't Michigan put the ball in your hands? Well, it was simple. Jim Harbaugh doesn't do that with his quarterbacks. He didn't really do it with Colin Kaepernick. He didn't do it with Alex Smith. He didn't do it with any of the quarterbacks before JJ McCarthy. And you can argue McCarthy's the best of all of them. As far as like what they were as college prospects. I think it, You could have semantics with Colin Kaepernick, but when you look at all of these guys, the only guy he really put any trust into with that arm was Andrew Luck. And Andrew Luck is such this big anomaly. When he was coming out, you were having people talk about he's the best prospect since John Elway, and Elway was considered a surefire guy. Well, he was, and so was Luck. But Michigan wants to run the ball, run it down your throat, and play great defense. And that front is nasty. And you saw how that manifested last Monday in the national championship game. What McCarthy's able to do is he's able to do full field reads. He's able and willing to fire the ball into tight windows. And now he's willing to run the football when he has to. Because he was at Michigan, I thought he either needed to transfer out or declare. Because I didn't think he was going to grow enough in that ecosystem because of how they want to play football. And I I think he'd be best suited with a redshirt year. A year to sit, learn behind a guy, grow in the NFL game, grow in the playbook, see how things are done in this league, and then take over in 2025. But we also know if he's a first-round pick, that probably doesn't happen because this is the year 2024. It is not 2004 when that happened relatively frequently. I like McCarthy a lot. I think there's real projection to show that he could be a potential franchise guy but you have questions that need to be answered because he was never asked to be that guy. He threw 10 passes against Penn State, one of their biggest games of the year, and they won by nine. Because you know what? Moore's like, no, we're just going to run the ball and we're going to run it right at at him. And it worked because they're Michigan. So answering those questions during this pre-draft process is going to be huge for McCarthy and how you perceive him because some of those questions I don't believe are his fault. It's just a, a matter of we're trying to win college football games and then win the national championships. So you really can't argue it.
2: Miles, it feels like his leadership skills, too, have been like, you know, Harbaugh talks about him being one of the better quarterbacks he's ever been around. Harbaugh's obviously been around Alex Smith. He's been around Colin Kaepernick. Um, he knows what it takes. He was coached, uh, obviously, Andrew Luck, too, right, at Stanford, or at least was on that staff. So, like, he knows when, he's, when he talks quarterbacks and he talks about leadership and all those stuff, like, you definitely got to listen to what he's saying. Um, are, are you as big of a fan of JJ J. McCarthy as this type of succession plan that's laid out? Like if it's Kirk resigned and the JJ McCarthy plan maybe in round two?
0: Yeah, I mean, so I, I came into the year with him as my QB three. Now that's kind of changed a little bit, but not drastically. I think he's played even when even even though like they won the national championship and he wasn't carrying the team, he put a lot of good things on tape and did a lot of good things. Um, he's also the youngest uh, QB in the in the drafts. I think that is something that we need to consider as well. He's 20 years old right now. He'll be mm-hmm. 20, I think he'll be 21 by the draft or like by the, by by the start of the season, at least. And I think that in itself is an important thing because he hasn't had a chance to really grow himself into it the way some of these other guys are. So there's a lot of room for him to grow and mature like physically that some of these other guys are already at 23, 24, you know, years old. And so I think there's a lot there for him to do. So if you do want him to sit for a year, um, my whole thing with the Vikings is it's not, it's not that I don't think a, a rookie quarterback shouldn't play. It's you shouldn't force them to play. It shouldn't be like a hey, th- like like the the Jets with Zach Wilson was like a prime example to me of they didn't bring like anybody in to like be a veteran presence around him to do anything. It was just like Zach Wilson, you're the starter. We have no competition. There's not even a, a like second thought of it. You're the starter, and I think that just puts a lot of expectation on a rookie. Whereas like I'd rather bring in a guy and say if you win this job, that's that's best case scenario for us because that means. We're doing everything right. We we f- feel you're ready, but I don't think you should ever force a rookie to be to make them ready, like by putting them trial by fire. I think that just can put a lot of bad things in there. And so I I think in that scenario, yeah, I'd have no issues with JJ McCarthy early second back of end of first round. Like we'll see what there's a lot of QB needed teams. Maybe that drives his his value up the board even more. Who knows? But um, I'd be fine with with that kind of scenario if that's what it, how it ends up playing. Because at least then you have your succession plan in place, and he's young enough to like. You're like, okay, we still can get a lot of really good years out of this guy. And he's not, he he won't be 28, 29 by the time he's ready to take over.
2: Yeah, he's he turns 21 in a few days. He turns uh 21 oh okay. on January 20th, so on Friday his uh, birthday's coming up here. So, but yeah, I mean I, he two years as a starter at Michigan um, and he won obviously every game, but one, he was 27 and one as a starter at Michigan, which obviously says a lot and was a really good quarterback for, for the Wolverines helped win to the national championship game. Um, I think in future episodes, we probably should answer a lot of these feedback questions that I have compiled over the last few weeks. A lot of fans even talking about quarterbacks. We haven't even discussed or even players. We haven't really discussed too much. We've obviously spent a good amount of time on JJ McCarthy's and Michael Penix and, if Jaden Daniels and whatnot, but there's some other names in this list here that I have compiled over the last few weeks from listeners that we can start getting into. And maybe even, you should we do some live mock drafts on this show even? Because I know we do that sometimes on Purple Daily. That could be something we obviously get into too here uh, on Purple yeah. Daily on draft. So we're really excited. And Tyler's going down to the Senior Bowl in a couple weeks too. So that's in a few weeks here. Tyler's going to go down to, uh, to Mobile and, and scout some quarterbacks here. So we're going to have some eyes on the ground as well. So a lot of awesome stuff here lined up on Purple Daily on Draft. You can hit that subscribe button for Daily Minnesota Vikings Entertainment. Uh, Mackie, Judd, myself, full show back on Tuesday uh, before I die as well. So plenty of great content coming at you here on Purple Daily. Hit that subscribe button where you just want to see the Vikings win a Super Bowl before we die. This has been Purple Daily on Draft.